Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, uh, joined for this Saturday morning conversation with one Paul Wadlington of InsideTexas.com. Paul, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bobby? Uh, trying to keep the motor running here. Um, hey, Longhorn started spring practice uh, this week. We want to go over and kind of touch on, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say uh, encapsulate all that happened, uh, but uh, go over a little bit of that and our general feelings towards it. I uh, want to talk a little bit uh, about uh, the program as a whole as well. Uh, Paul, uh, you're, from what you've read and what you thought going into this, what were some of the big takeaways for you uh, from early spring practice notes? Uh, I got to say, Bobby, I read yours assiduously, and I want to turn the tables on you. Uh, typically in the show, you kind of mind my brain, and then we have a conversation off that. I want to re reverse roles here because you've been able to go out and, and lay eyes on them. And that's very different from getting secondhand reports or hearing Sark's media reports or whatever. Uh, it sounds to me like you're seeing the football team that Steve Sarkeesian, Kyle Flood, Bo Davis, that team is starting to eventuate. You're starting to see them on the practice field. Yeah. Um, I would agree with a, a lot of that. I, I used the term on Friday morphing into a football team. And I, and I think that that brings with it a couple of different things. One is recruiting, recruiting higher level talent, I think right now. Um, another is development, obviously. And then just putting seasoning on them. You know, you don't just uh, eat a steak without putting any seasoning on it. It takes a little while. Um, but and there are still a couple of spots where you go, you know, they're a little thin there. Um, it's going to take a little while, uh, a couple different places, but boy, uh, you know, the makeup of the team in general is pretty strong. Um, and, and some places, some guys that I didn't think that were going to keep ascending like Baron Sorrell was a, was a very, um, good revelation for me. He looked even better this spring after putting in all that weight in addition as a sophomore, he's still getting better. Does, um, does he look ones. bigger, faster, both? Both. More defined. You know, I, he had a little, he had almost a, like an, a leaf body type early, almost like not, not the exact same body type as Brian Arakpo, but similar builds uh, coming out where they were long limbed. Um, he's getting more defined. I'll tell you who else looks like a, a, a much different player or a, a much different body build is Alfred Collins totally reshaped his upper body it looks like i mean he looks like he has biceps and triceps for days right now so uh, i heard he put on good weight i mean we're talking 15 20 pounds and actually looks better yeah and you know this is one of the things jerry hamilton is is always about uh, alfred collins because he has so much upside i mean we you know that you know we all have seen what he can do when he's on and one of the things that was interesting about alfred is he always played other sports, in particular basketball. His mom was a great basketball player at Texas. Um, and so his freshman year, he comes in, does well, doesn't really know what position he's going to play the next year, though. And so he's trying to be an end when really he's going to end up being a tackle, doesn't put on a lot of weight. The next year is COVID, you know, and so it, it, it kind of this never-ending cycle. This is really the first offseason, I think, that he's had a, a full-on attempt at being a defensive tackle. You know what I mean? Where he's bought in. This is what it's going to be. This is where I need to go. Maybe it's because it's his contract year. You know, we talk about that with Xavier Worthy, but he's done that, Paul. Well, and don't forget two years ago, 
he was our emergency midseason edge, right? I mean, Alfred Collins wasn't playing. And then against Oklahoma State, they put him in. He plays the best of any Texas defender on the field. I was at that game. And he's playing edge effectively. And he kind of played it for the rest of the year. He was a bit of a fish out of water, but he actually played pretty well. Last year, it seemed, if anything, he regressed a little bit inside. I think there was a strength deficit. I think there was also a strength deficit for another guy I want to ask you about, and that's Vernon Broughton. Uh, He's a guy that I've observed as having some quickness. He's got some get-off. He really struggles after contact. Once you make contact and things start to go, uh, he's a guy that you could see sometimes on plays getting driven five, eight yards off the ball, getting pancaked. Uh, I think he's got a high center of gravity naturally, which he's got to work on technique wise, but that he can never overcome that. But the way you could overcome that is just get big and strong. And then your center of gravity is less relevant. He also seems to be a guy who's put on weight. Is it, does he look as good as Alfred or is it different? It's different. Um, and I agree with you. He doesn't anchor well at all. Uh, you know, to your point, um, uh, he was not a guy that really stood out to me. Um, the first three looked the part and the first three are Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy and Alfred Collins. Yep. Broughton, even though he played earlier than, than Collins did last year, I thought by the end of the year, Collins was ahead of Broughton. I think he's carried through that. Uh, in my personal opinion, the, the defensive tackle, that looks like a million bucks and plays like it right now, I think is Byron Murphy. Um, you could see that just in some drill, just in some hand drills, um, a little quicker than everybody else. Um, really impressed by him. Uh, but, you know, you don't get to see much uh, those first couple of practices because you're not seeing a lot of one-on-ones with pads. Uh, but just from a, a, a physical makeover standpoint to your, you know what, I'm, that's what we're really talking about is, you know, who, who looked that way? The other one that, that caught me that everybody was talking about, oh, he's gained X amount of pounds, Jamon Tapp. If, if Jamon Tapp has gained weight, I can't tell. Now, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? He carries it really well, or he may not be heavy enough right now to really withstand and, and hold the edge. And uh, I've, I've belabored it a, the point maybe too heavily that I'm worried about the edge opposite Baron Sorrell right now, because I don't know that they have an answer. And and I know that some people think that they're not worried about it. Eric wrote a column on on Friday about not being worried about it. I, I tell you, after watching a couple of practices, I am uh, because I'm not sure they, they have an immediate answer for year this coming year. And I think if they did, you could be looking at a really, really, really high end defense. Let's let's dig in on that a little bit. And I want to dig in on the, another position that I've got question marks, which is the other linebacker position. Not the Mike. I'm I'm good with Jalen Ford. I'm I'm happy with the Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year coming back. Uh, but the other edge. Look, here are the candidates. Right, we've got Jamon Tap, Justice Finkley. He's looking and profiling like exactly the player I thought he he would be. And I don't mean this as an insult. So tear this apart if you think I'm wrong. I think he's a high floor guy. I'm not sure what his ceiling, I'm not sure his ceiling is much different from his floor in that he came in pretty physically prepared for college football, mentally prepared. He's a good, sharp young man. I don't think absent 
insane quickness or speed, it's tough to be a dominant edge at six feet, 255 pounds. Yeah, he's not Von Miller. Yeah. You, you know, that's that's really who you're asking about, right? Is um, He doesn't have that sort of quickness. He doesn't have that sort of arm length. Yeah. So um, when people get on him, he can get driven. Um, and I know people say, well, he plays the run well. Eh, I don't know that he plays the run all that well um, when it's – I'm I'm concerned over there. I think Ethan Burke has the most most potential of the group, including including Tap, because I actually think Tap is more of a uh, you know a down rush. I, I think he's a situational rush guy at this I, point. I've talked to Jerry about this, and he and I are kind of of the same mind that we like length on the edge for a number of reasons. There's a value add. There's so much short passing game. Just having a guy who's long that can get his big hands up there. That creates turnovers. It creates incompletions, batted balls, or even teams will just scrap that part of their game because they'll be like, well, Texas has two six-foot-six defensive ends. We're not going to mess with that. Uh, what I like about Burke and what little I've seen, and I, wanted, I want you to comment on this since you got to see him, he seems quick-minded. He seems quick-handed. He seems pretty technical for his youth. I just think he lacks some of the just – size and, and weight and strength that you get with age. What, what's your been impre- your impression been of Ethan Burke? You're, you're right. Um, you, multi-sport athletes like him. I mean, he's a high-end lacrosse player, multi-sport guy that plays defensive end. Um, quick, quick-minded, I think is a good one. Full effort with him. Mm-hmm. Like you never question his effort. At least I, I was watching ball drills uh, on Wednesday and, uh, some guys were, I don't want to, they weren't loafing because Sark and Bo Davis in particular, they don't, they don't even contemplate it, accepting that. It's just some people approach some of those drills with a little more urgency. Um, and I felt like he did, uh, you know, we, we can look at this and, and talk about it forever. I just think he, if he can hold up against the run, Paul, long-term, he's the best answer but he's got a ways to go. He's still light. Um, I I wonder, Bobby, if we crowdsource that position and just get maximal effort from three guys, each playing 20 to 25 snaps, and then you adjust based on the opponent, right? Uh, Maybe that's the approach is you get guys who maybe aren't the answer, but they only know they have to go 25, 30 snaps. And so they bring it on every snap. It's not ideal, but maybe. Yeah, it's not. And the reason why is consistency right behind you. But Jalen Ford's going to want to know who's there all the time. So what he can rely on. Um, But you you make a good point. I mean, it could be against a pass team, Tap and uh, against Texas Tech, for example, Tap and Burke play, you know, 75% 75% of the snaps against Kansas, you know, Finkley and Burke or Finkley and Tap play 75% of the I mean, it, it could be either of those. It, even Baylor for, is another uh, example where you want that guy to be able to handle the outside run. I, um, You know, it's interesting. I, I, I think that was interesting. Uh, what, what I saw, the offensive line continues to just morph. Um, I, you know, the the offensive line for 2023, the recruits, Paul, they were not as ballyhooed as the 2022 group. 
But as of right now, I think they've got three keepers out of the four at the very least. Wow. Uh, the only one, the only one that I would say is a question mark right now is is Andre Kojo. The other three already look like they belong. Well, and, and the the positive for Kojo, he's the youngest of the four. No, and I was going to add that, but so you don't, you can't. I'm not throwing him. You know, I'm not saying he's not. A, he doesn't have a chance. I'm just commenting that three of the four already look like they belong. Now, not at first team, and when they go to team workouts, I'm sure sure they're going to miss some assignments. Physically, they already look like they belong. That's as good a physical team, a physical signees as they got the year before. That just that just says a lot. Another guy that looks like a million bucks, better than he did last year, is Neto Umiozulu. I mean, he's it's almost like his body's reshaping, shaping. Uh, similar to Baron Sorrell's. Hmm. He's just a bigger, bigger body guy. Um, and it, you're just seeing those leaf muscles get bigger. And all of a sudden you're looking at a guy that's both powerful and is not losing any level of quickness. I mean, Baron Sorrell's not the quickest guy, right? That's not, that's not his strength. Um, but boy, if he gets more powerful and maintains his level of quickness, he has a chance. I mean, Baron Sorrell, I, I could look at him and say a, a year ago, I would never said this. You're, you may be looking at an NFL defensive end today. I would say you're, you may be looking at an NFL defensive end out of Baron Sorrell. And yeah, I, I would not have thought that is, is there is an element of natural quickness that's you can't develop. You can't teach, yep. but the power equation is quickness. And, and the thing you can affect is your strength in that power equation, right? Not your natural genetic ability to recruit your CNS but it's your, it's your ability to be strong. And believe it or not, the stronger you are, the more powerful you are, right? It's, it's strength displayed over time. That's literally quickness with a strength attachment. So Baron Sorrell can get quicker just by growing into his body and getting his lower body stronger. Uh, and so that's something to watch. I want to jump over to the defense real quick. And it's the other question mark that we have. And I mentioned David Benda seems to be getting some of the, the run uh, opposite Ford is that deference to seniority? Is it uh, what we're looks like we're rolling with? Or I, I still think this that job's wide open, and I think it'll be decided in late August. But I'm interested in your thoughts. I can't tell. Yeah, because um, you don't get. I didn't get to see any kind of inside teamwork, or yeah, you know, I saw him in pass coverage, and Benda still is is not very good in pass coverage. Um, that being said, Jalen Ford during the media interview section on Wednesday uh, went out of his way to mention how well he thinks David Benda has really performed this off season and how seriously he's taking his opportunity. Um, so I, I think that he's going to maximize whatever he can get out of himself. My inclination is that it's open right now. And I think Anthony Hill and Leonga LaFowle are both going to be in there. I think Maurice Blackwell has a chance to have some say in a linebacker position. Um, just when when you do see him, he flashes just enough. It's almost like he's tantalizing like DeMarvian Overshone used to be. Um, and so I, I, I'm not so sure you don't need to find a way to get Maurice Blackwell on the field somehow. So let me ask you about, is are there any other players? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw out a player I haven't heard anything on, probably because we're, Pretty confident with what we got. Jatavian Sanders, anything? His draft pick. 
I mean, whether he's second round or third round or fourth, I don't know. Um, it probably, you know, if he, he does not look like he's gone off his, off the rails on how he um, acts and reacts, et cetera, and has worked out. Um, if that makes sense. He, a year ago this month, really, we said, okay, now we think we have something with, with Jatavian Sanders. He hasn't gone off that, that line towards the NFL since then. And I didn't see anything. Gunnar Helm looked a little, almost Gunnar Helm is not the offensive version of Baron Sorrell from uh, how he looks bigger, but Gunnar Helm is getting bigger. Um, and so I think, I think they've got two tight ends. Helm obviously more of a blocker, but he's going to stand, he's going to handle uh, blocking better than he did last year too. I, I have no doubt about that because he, he's not losing any quickness and he's getting bigger. Any impressions on the secondary? Yeah, I love Terrence Brooks. Love Gavin Holmes. Love Jaron Thompson. Uh, Jade Barron is interesting. I see him do some some things that are some of the more natural things you would see a, a DB do, and then I see some things that I, I you know, just small things that I don't necessarily think are, are real bright. Uh, Catalan, you didn't see much of. I like Austin Jordan and what he brings to the table. He's got some versatility to him. Uh, Ryan Watts is another guy that I think is just solid. Uh, and he continues to look really, really like physically mature um, and, and look even better. I Look, I don't know who the best two corners are. And I don't, I, I said this on Friday, Gavin Holmes is a flyer. Like I, I, I could see you laying up him up one-on-one against Tech's wide receiver and saying, okay, go at it. I mean, I really could. I, I wouldn't say that about Watts or uh, Terrence Brooks because they don't have that kind of speed, right? Well, um, Bobby, to that point, I would like to see us do that on third and seven <laughs> and fourth and five so we don't have a repeat of, of last year. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it might, last year they may have been worried about that, though. I mean, but sure. my, my point with, uh, with this is – I think they're loaded uh, at cornerback with those top three guys. It's going to be how they want to play that situationally. Um, Ryan Watts was really good. Um, he is limited because you have to, I think you have to play a safety over the top of him. Um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. They have options. That's, that's my initial feeling. Well, I know this in today's college football with as many games as Texas is prospectively going to play. Uh, have you need to you better have six or seven guys who can play, and sometimes some years Texas has three, yeah. <laughs> and uh, having some extra bodies who are really competent and good standing on the sideline is not the worst thing in the world because they're going to play eventually. Guys get dinged up, you know. You play offenses where you can legitimately play a dime. Uh, you know they're going to get their reps. It's not going to be hard for them to find those. Uh, I'm curious. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Quinn Ewers or Arch Manning, but they play at Texas. People are interested in how they look. What are your thoughts on Mr. Ewers in terms of his maturity and progression? And then what does Arch look like just coming in fresh? He should be a senior in high school right now. Been seeing this a lot. I, I've watched Texas a long time, Paul. The two, maybe the two easiest throwers of the football I've ever seen at Texas. Wow. Not one and two. So even Colt labored a little bit more on stuff until he got older. You know what I mean? 
but as this young, at this age, um, easy, easy throwers of the football. I mean, a lot of zip. Uh, Ewers is, is trying to get his footwork down a little bit more. You can tell that. He's worked on it some. Still has a ways to go. Uh, Manning's footwork is terrific. Not as good as yours off-platform type stuff when he gets his feet messed up. Um, if you had one single negative about Arch Manning, it's probably that he has a low release point because it's – I mean, it's literally – It kind I of flips it right here. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just boom. It's not uh – Uh-uh. He's not, he's not wasting any time, uh, which is what – which exactly how you teach it. Um, and it's good that he's six foot four, six foot five. So that's not going to matter as much. Right. Uh, but I just, if you went and watched a practice, you, I've seen quarterbacks labor to throw the ball they, the way they do. And it, it is not an easy thing. And both of them just, I mean, they just get it there. It's uh I was watching Wednesday's practice with Eric Nolene, uh, publisher at Inside Texas, and Ewers threw an out to, to Xavier Worthy. And, I mean, it was just so pretty. It's like a 15, 20-yard out. And I was just like, you know, you just – the pro, it was a pro throw, pro route, pro catch. Turn The very next play, it was Arch Manning to Jonte Cook. Same damn thing. I was <laughs> I mean, you don't do that. I mean, I, um, and so I, I don't know what it's going to mean yet for Texas football next year. I think uh, it's too early to, to know if Quinn Ewers has made this big leap or continued to ascend. It's, it's too early to know if Arch Manning can take live bullets on the college level. I just know that from just standing out there watching, I, I know that I know people, NFL GMs that walk by or go down there and, and look at these guys, they're just gonna go, holy cow, they got two. Because they, I mean, Texas literally has two guys that could be day one picks. Um, you know, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, whenever. I've got a theory about Quinn Ewers that I'm gonna develop probably over the offseason and then gauge his progress, but I think his ability to throw off platform. And his versatility as a thrower is responsible for some of his struggles. Oh, no doubt. Because it, 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 I think it hurt. Struggled, he had no base to return back to. It, it, I think it hurt Pat Mahomes at, yes. at Texas Tech. I mean, I think I think because he could. Pat Mahomes was outstanding on the things that you didn't think he would do. He had problems with the things you thought he could do, well, and not until he kept growing and kept. It's almost like the natural things came natural to him. The rehearsed things did not. So people are going to misinterpret what Bobby and I just said because it's YouTube comments. Yeah. Uh, but we're not saying that he's not capable of that. In fact, what we're saying is you got to establish your base and your foundation. And then all of his off-platform ability will actually shine. It's what will bring him to the next level. So Aaron Rodgers, when he wants to, is a perfect, flawless quarterback in delivery, setup, timing, everything, footwork. He doesn't have to do that anymore because his base is so established. He can throw the ball any crazy way. He feels like, just like Pat Mahomes, 
who had to go back a year off, right? He gets to the NFL. He sits out a year. And that's all Andy Reid has him doing is drilling on the basics, his platform, his steps, delivering a clean ball in a conventional way. He knows Mahomes can do all the freelancing. And ironically, when he got that base established, it allowed his freelancing to be even better. Fair? I think I think it's good good conversation. And yeah. I, 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 uh, my father-in-law is a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And so I get an opportunity to watch the Chiefs 10 times a year, maybe, maybe, maybe eight or nine. I don't know. Um, but the reality of it is, Paul, that you could see where Pat Mahomes had improved from his time at KC and it, or from his time at Texas Tech. And it had very little to do with his ability to make off schedule stuff. Right. It was his five yard outs that were crisper. It was his quick decision to hit a, a receiver without trying to hit the big one. It, um, those sorts of things are, are what made him different. Uh, and, and maybe some of that, you can't just say it's, you know, Andy Reid or it's also getting older and understanding you need to be able to make the basic plays. Not You need, you need to be able to, uh, you know, throw the runner out at first. You don't need to always be able to turn to first, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, I feel like you and I are on the same page there. But overall, those two quarterbacks, dude, I look, like I said, been doing this a long time. Texas has never had a pair like this simultaneous. They've had better players at times. I mean, Vince Young is going to be leave a better player than either of those guys. Most likely, it means best player in college football and dominated for a national championship. Colt McCoy may have, because of the offense and what he was able to do and the high level of efficiency, he might be better. Um, but two guys like that at the same time, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how else to say it. Other than that's, that's really rare for me. Yeah, that's really exciting. Obviously, we found out, it was confirmed at least, that Xavier Worthy played about half of last year with a pretty significant hand injury. I think that obviously did account for some of his problems. Uh, I think there were some other problems that maybe the hand injury didn't account for. But from what I understand is he's, you know, to quote Mac Brown, he's tanned, rested, and ready. Uh, he's, I think he's fired up to, to, go, to come back and prove himself in his junior season after what was an amazing freshman campaign. A little bit of a sophomore slump. Not the first time we've seen this in college football based on the fact that there's something called the sophomore slump. <laughs> like everyone knows what we're talking about. Whittington's back. He's experienced. We know what he's capable of. There's a guy that we thought could make a difference. I certainly thought it could make a difference when we found out he got, we got him in the portal. I went and watched his Georgia film. He had a little bit of a sophomore slump himself. Tell me what you're seeing with A.D. Mitchell because what you're describing to me is, is pretty intriguing. You're talking about the speed element of him? We're talking about the fact that he is the definition of deceptively fast. Yeah. And his stride, his actually ability to cover ground is very deceptive to the guys covering him. And that's why even when he's covered, he's open. Is that fair? Yes. Um, body separation, natural, wide shoulders um, for a guy that size. I was watching him return punts um, on Wednesday and, and it just, I mean, sometimes you watch a guy do something and it, it hits you like a ton of bricks and 10, 15 yards, he's gliding uh, in the return. And all of a sudden it's like the, the motor started going 
And he was like, whoa, there's some suddenness there 15 yards downfield. Hmm. And it's almost like a car that needs to hit second or third gear. I don't know how else to explain it. And then it just kind of coast. And it's that kind of suddenness well into your route that will actually give you enough separation to create difficult catches and, and make difficult catches. Um, it's very interesting because he can be going what seems like, you know, a four or five. And then all of a sudden he's at a four, four hmm. for about a good 10 yards where you have to catch up to him. Um, and just seeing what he did, because I've been on the sidelines. I don't know if you remember this guy, but Kevin Williams played for the Miami Do- Miami Hurricanes. Yes. Played for the uh, played for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. He's from Dallas. I've seen him return kicks before. And literally when he returned kicks, I heard him run by. I heard the, you know, <laughs> the little wisp. Um, it wasn't as much, but but he was there from zero to 60 the whole way. With, with A.D. Mitchell, it was a little more downfield where you started to see it. And it was subtle. Uh, Xavier Worthy is more like Kevin Williams, you know, uh, I don't know how else to say that other than I, I was really, I, I feel like his tool set is specifically made for this type of player these days, back shoulder throws, yep. um, curls over the middle stuff. Uh, not necessarily. Uh, and this is not necessarily post routes, not ne- because he, he doesn't have that, you know what I mean by that? It's it's a little different. The, the separation uh, on the break. Yeah, it's not the separation on the break up. It's the separation away as you're running. I mean, mm-hmm. um, uh, so I, I feel like that's a different different category. Uh, I I did. Uh, I was going to say this about Xavier Worthy as well. So I was uh, I went to the first two practices and I was there early to just make sure I was getting everything ready and everything. Both of those practices, Monday and Wednesday. Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington were the first two there. Um, uh, and so they didn't ride in the bus with the team. Uh, they went, they came by themselves, uh, but they were in full gear. They were ready and uh, they were out there uh, throwing the ball around. I don't know if that's going to, you know, continue the whole off season or if it's just the first couple of days and it's not indicative of the whole year, but that sort of uh, thought process hopefully helps uh, Xavier rebound uh, to your point, and uh, Jordan to to have an, a solid senior year as well. Yeah, to your point about hearing Kevin Williams, when I run, you could hear me too. But it's like a, a little bit more like hearing a French bulldog run, and then there's lots of cursing and yelling. Uh, so we we share that similarity, Bobby. Yeah, you're not a wisp of wind; you're a gasp of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go that far. I'm just saying that you can hear me running, and it you know I'm I'm like Kevin Williams in that regard. You know, uh, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I'm sorry for that very uh, obscure reference, but uh, I'll never forget the first time I was on the sideline and somebody ran by me and I could hear them run. And That's it wasn't nice. like, it wasn't a grunt. It was just the wind going by me. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, that dude's fast. I, I, I wonder what Bo Jackson in his prime sounded like rounding the corner on a sweep. Oof. He He may have had the wind and the grunts. Yes. <laughs> and I think the cussing was coming from the defender yeah. having to come to meet him. 
All right. Well, Bobby, uh, I don't want to keep you too long. This has actually been really insightful and interesting for me because eyes on and actually getting on field level and seeing guys, seeing the transformation of individual players, but the team as a whole, I think it's starting to look like the team that Steve Sarkeesian envisioned. Yes. With very few places where it's starting to be uh, two years ago, you could have pointed to just about any position on the field and said, uh, other than running back and said, uh, we need somebody here. Yeah. Or, um, at nowadays, those positions are fewer and further between. And even those have somebody there. Uh, they're just not ready yet. Maybe uh, I think is the difference. You want to say thank you to our sponsor before we get going here? I do. You know, we just completed the NFL Combine. The draft is coming up. I've got a first-round pick for you, Bobby. His name is Gabe Winslow. He's phenomenal at what he does. He's a, an excellent mortgage broker. Mortgage broker meaning he has 80-something different shops to go find the best rates for your loan. Most uh, mortgage folks won't tell you they got exactly one conduit to get your loan. When you get 85 people competing for your business, you get a little better deal than one. Give Gabe a call, 832-557-1095. Passionate Longhorn, 20 years in the industry. He's got a legal degree, a law degree, I should say. Great guy. Give him a call. And uh, he shares your passion with getting you a great deal and Longhorn Sports. All right. Paul, you take it easy, bud, and have a good weekend, all right? Hey, let's do this again. I'm, I'm excited. You got me fired up. It's silly season. I'm, I'm getting all uh, speculative and, and, and excited and ahead of my skis. So let's do it. All right. You have a good one, Paul. All right. I'll see you, bud.